Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Annalise. And I'm Alex. You are listening to the Clarkson Ignite podcast coming to you from the ERC. As always, our mission is to shape this podcast to the Ignite slogan, which is to think, make, ignite. We hope to connect individuals across Clarkson's diverse community and give you interesting and unique content. Our hope is that you can walk away from our episodes learning something new and valuable. For this week's episode, we spoke with three student-run businesses, Palmer Tech, Garden Guardian, and ANA Smart Safety. They all competed in the North Country Regional Business Plan Competition and are now moving forward to the state competition. Really glad to have everybody on here, and I know uh, I definitely learned a lot, and I hope you guys did too. All right, welcome. So we're just going to have you guys start by introducing yourselves and tell us a little bit about the business that you guys have. All right, hi, uh, my name is Cameron Palmer. Hi, I'm Brendan Whitman. All right, I'm the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Palmer Technologies, LLC. And then I'm the uh, COO. We're both current Clarkson students. I'm a junior studying supply chain. And I'm a sophomore studying computer engineering. Nice. Nice. Well, tell us a little bit about um, your business and the products that you guys have uh, started to develop. Yeah, so at Palmer Tech, we work to develop a recycled 3D printer filament. So right now we're working on um, using a material called PLA, or polylactic acid, to um, create a new recycled filament that can be used just like any other 3D printer filament. Yeah, and I, and I know like polylactic acid compared to other types of filaments are a bit like, uh, are a bit, I guess they say cleaner, safer. Like, what about that? Yeah, so polylactic acid is made out of cornstarch. So some, some companies will, well, so it's technically better for the environment because it'll decompose in 100 years as, as compared to some other plastics that'll decompose in more like 1,000 years. So some people will say it's environmentally friendly when, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, it kind of is comparatively, but, you know, it's still plastic. Um, so anyway, so PLA isn't really normally used in just consumer plastic industries. It's very heavily used in 3D printing because it's a great plastic for 3D printing. What kind of gave you the idea for all of this? Yeah, so I got my first 3D printer a few years ago now, and I noticed that it had a lot of failure, a lot of failed prints. So it would be printing along and then something bad would happen and then it would just stop printing. So all the plastic that you've extruded so far is no longer any good. And so this happens all the time and that plastic that's no longer any good usually just gets thrown away. Whereas theoretically that plastic can be shredded and melted back down and turned back into filament, which I thought was a crazy amount of waste. Um, so we aim not only to do that specifically, we're turning post 3D printed plastic into new recycled filament, but we also eventually intend to move into recycling just water bottles and just other consumer plastics that can be turned into 3D printer filament, which can be used to create anything with a 3D printer. Beautiful. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about like what this whole experience in starting a business has been like for you guys. Uh, yeah, so it's just been a lot of um, meetings back and forth, trying to figure out uh, what can we do, especially considering COVID guidelines, um, <clears throat> what those next steps are. Uh, to make sure that we're making good progress, keeping each other in check in terms of deliverables, uh, and then working with the Cube team here at Clarkson, uh, who's helped us out a lot financially as well as just like um, 
through the different business aspects of it. So they have seen, you know, where we are struggling. You know, two majors can only do so much. So they mm-hmm. see what other right. startups have done and given us pointers there. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of uh, keeping yourself accountable because usually you, <laughs> when you're working for somebody, you, you know, you have a boss and they say, all right, get, get me this by then. And um, we ne- haven't necessarily had that up until recently. Um, and we've realized that, you know, we do need to set deadlines. We need to hold each other accountable so that we actually get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that's definitely a huge thing. Like, especially have you ever taken a class where, like, the deadlines are at the end of the year? Yep. You yep. just don't uh-huh. do the projects <laughs> yeah. until the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. exactly like that. So we know that you guys competed in the North Country Regional Business Plan Competition. Tell us a little bit about your experience of that, something maybe you learned. Yep. So uh, it was a panel of judges. So they're all, um, uh, they do like investing in their own time. So Mm -hmm. they were taken onto this to um, listen to all of our pitches. So that was just a a bit of work getting into, you know, explaining what Palmer Tech is, pitching it to them. And they would give us feedback and they'd ask us questions based off of um, things that they saw issues with the business model or just general inquiries uh, with the business altogether. Uh, And then we won the um, first set for regionals, and then now we're waiting on um, a pitch video that we submitted now to uh, be entered into the states competition. And then from there, it's uh, yeah. There? I think it's just I believe it's just states. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the grand prize for states is something like ten grand or something yep. like that. Wow. Jeez. Um, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, no, it was good even just to compete in the regionals because. They they pointed out the biggest flaw that they pointed out was our supply chain. So you know you you can think all you want about recycling plastic, but until you get people to actually put the right plastic in the correct bins, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just an idea. Yep. Um, and so that's what we've been working on a lot is figuring out how to do that, where we're going to start, and from where from there where we're going to go. Um, it's kind of like kind of like how Casella does their thing, where they mm-hmm. just they just say okay. Don't sort it. Just throw everything in, in one big bin, and we'll sort it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are you looking to start that process with, like, the makerspace? Or? Yep, yeah. So right now we have a bin set up in the makerspace, and they are taking all of their um, prints that have failed. So not every single print works out the first time. Mm-hmm. So then once that plastic's already used, it's normally thrown out. So we have just a bin of all of that collected. And then we've reached out to other schools in the area, that have their own maker spaces and we're working on setting something up with them so where we can awesome. do the same. So then we have all of that plastic together to start making that filament. That's yeah. really cool. So we'll mainly start with PLA and once we get our all our techniques down for developing excuse me, developing a process of shredding PLA and, and then turning it into filament, then we'll start to move on to other plastics once we have our basic methodology down. Mm-hmm. So when do you hope to, like, have that methodology down by? Do you, like, have an idea of, like, the future goals of it? Yeah. So this summer uh, we'll be working on our filament extruder, which is completely custom-made by us. Um, And we hope to have that completed by the end of this summer. So August 1st is our deadline for that. Awesome. So hopefully by next semester you guys will be shredding it and (laughs) turning it back into filament that people can use. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. Hey, um, speaking of, like, the recyclable uh, other plastics instead of just PLA, I know that your eventual goal is to kind of create um, something where you can 
have a bunch of different plastics. And obviously some are more favorable than others for using. You ever think about using like deep learning approaches to have some sort of like auto detector or auto sorter that'll kind of automatically sort those? Yeah, so that's definitely an option that we can explore later down the road. We do have plans to at some point implement a collection and sorting facility where you take in plastics of all kinds and they get cleaned, sorted, shredded, and then sent out to another facility for processing and filament. Um, so that's absolutely something that we could think about implementing. Right. Yeah, we want to first take a look to see, like, you know, Cosella here, how they, they do it, how mm-hmm. they take in everything, because I'm sure it's not all just, like, man-operated power. Right. Um, and there has to be, like, some kind of um, uh, machine learning in there, and or at least, like, eventually planning to do that. So it'll be starting with that, and then once we have it on our own, that'll, that would just make things so much easier to have that ability. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be sweet. Especially to help with determining which type of plastics is which and just sorting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys already talked a little bit about the state competition and, like, what you guys learned from the regional competition. So have you, like, updated your pitch for the state competition with, like, some of these, like, having the bin in the makerspace and stuff? Yeah, so we, we took the, the judges' feedback from the regionals and we updated our pitch. We actually submitted our – we had to record a video for the okay. states, and we submitted that um, a couple of days ago here because it was nice. due last night. Yep. Um, yeah, we sent that in. Hey, we got it in before the deadline <laughs> for once. Look, I'm pretty sure everyone's getting everything in last yeah. minute these days. So yep. well, Last day of classes, or last week of classes, too. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. I know. Um, so your target audience, I know right now, is just like you're working with, like, Clarkson and stuff. So are you trying to stay more into, like, school systems that are using 3D printers? Are you trying to branch out eventually? Right. So to start, uh, that's a good market for us to enter because there's already that um, need for them to get those plastics in, and then Mm -hmm. you can get engaged with students. But the original idea was to target um, at-home desktop 3D printers, so people who have their own 3D printers at home. So once we establish that, like, customer base, then you're going to have all the students who are already interested in 3D printers going to use the space, knowing about the system, and then branching out to selling it to them directly. Nice. So, okay, just to clarify. So this is, like, a system that you guys are going to, like, sell to people so they can reproduce their own filament from the scraps? Um, So right now, just selling them the filament itself. Okay, okay. So, yeah, that's fine. Cam can talk more on this, but the overall business model is based around like open source okay so that's where we've gotten a lot of like our own um ideas from and taken a lot of um interest in and that's where 3d printing overall is and anything in that space is it's all open source so that's what people are interested in so starting out just with that filament selling it there um we would still keep uh our system's probably open source so people can see how we did it. Mm-hmm. But realistically, people aren't going to be, you know, making their own yeah. sets yeah. of this. Eventually, that could be something to where, like, we um, sell those machines if we can compact it enough and if there's that demand for it. But that's, you know, yeah. to be seen. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about open source. So you have, especially, so let's talk about IP protection for a sec. So you have, like, especially in the medical industry, you'll have these big companies that, say they create a new drug or something and it's patented, we're gonna patent that, and now nobody can steal our formula for this piece of medicine here, right? And then they make mega billions of money off of it. They make so much money off of it. And, um, but it's kind of counterintuitive to a community uh, where learning and knowledge is 
is important and actually benefits the whole community. So the 3D printing community um, in particular is focused around this idea that open source uh, software and hardware, and that means that a company develops a de designs either for software or hardware, and then they release all the source files and all the designs for that software and hardware for the public to be able to see while still retaining rights for that. So that means that nobody can take those designs and go start their own business with them to directly compete with you. But it does mean that everybody's able to see that, so they can look at them and they can revise them, and they can come back to you and they can say, oh, I think I would have done this better, and we say, oh, that's a really good idea. And we maybe reincorporate it into our next product. So it's, it's a whole thing about having a circle of continual improvement and releasing knowledge and information so that everybody has access to that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, open source awesome. honestly is is huge. And a lot of people see that, they're like, oh, is that really a sustainable business model? But what people don't see is like, those projects that have gone open source have gained insane amount of traction yeah, and insane exactly. amount of, of even revenue because like they have something and uh, they just release it out to the public and then it starts getting used because it's free. Yep. It's free right. and now there's that exposure. The more exposure you get, the more things you produce, the more uh, revenue you gain. Exactly. And I mean, you could even say it um, for a lot of different industries too. Like the gaming industry, huge open source projects. Oh, yeah. Huge open source projects for free and now they're just huge. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and it comes down to those, like, the individual parts, too. Most people with open source tend to be like, I want to see if I can do it on my own first. So they'll look at the open source plans and they'll say, like, okay, I want to mess around and do this and that. But a lot of open source companies just provide all the parts, too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're losing out on anything. Exactly. There. They still have things being bought to uh, allow people to make it themselves. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Definitely. Sweet. I think that's all the questions that I had for you guys. I don't know if Alex has any more he wants to ask. Um, I think that's just about it. All right. But Sounds thank good. you guys for joining us, and congratulations on your first or second place. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, second, 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 second place. Okay. Second place. Yep. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> thank you. It's still amazing. Yep. Uh, I hope you guys do well in the state competition. So Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for having us. All right, welcome to the podcast. Um, we're just going to start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business and how it got started. Yeah, so uh, my name is Zach Polarchuk. I'm a junior engineering and management major, and uh, my business is Garden Guardian. So pretty much how this started was about a year and a half ago, um, my uncle kind of came to me with the problem he's been having. He has a a really big gardening platform called uh, the rusted garden and he has a youtube channel where he makes all sorts of videos he's a really avid gardener and he had this problem where they first off they use i guess if you, if you garden a lot you use a lot of you spend a lot of money on chemicals and pesticides for your garden mm -hmm. and right. he uses stuff called agricultural mesh to protect to protect it instead of using the pesticides but there's no easy way to use it. So my, so Garden Guardian was the solution I came up with on how to how to use it. Nice, awesome. 
So what are like kind of the key features of it? Like what like what exactly is the goal? So it's pretty much um, I'm not sure if you've seen like the pictures of it, but it pretty much applied like a really big hairnet. So it's sewn in a way to that you know that you can have you can put your own supports in, or you can purchase um, for like the the plus package. You can purchase it, um, and it comes with your own frame. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of this goes on over the frame. Usually it takes two people. You can do it yourself, but it's easier with two people. And there's elastic at the bottom of it, and it snaps right around the base of the garden bed, and it stays on like that. And then when you need to harvest your crops or get to them, whatever, you can slide it up, do what you want, and put it back down. Awesome. Nice. That sounds sweet. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience so far with, like, starting a business? So this is actually the second business I've started. Okay. Um, the first one was something different. I worked with the Cube and Shipley Center, and uh, but this is now, like I said, the second one. And right off the bat, like, everything's kind of, like, really slow going. You you just kind of have an idea, but it's 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 kind of difficult, you know, to start and get, get something going off the ground. But luckily, like, I like I worked with Shipley, so they were, were able to help me. But in, like, the early, early concept um, staging is figuring out, like, what the, what the key features are going to be, um, and stuff like that. And then as you move along, you get in contact. Like so I got in contact with a business um, called NYSARC who sewed my first prototype, and they um, were able to help me work through some of the like key design features. The manufacturing didn't work out with them, but I was able to take those features <coughs> excuse me, to another business and um, get, that, you know, get it rolling with them. It was kind of like the research uh, aspect portion for you. Like, where where did you um, where did you start your research into insecticides and things like that? So, it was I, I've never gardened before. I don't really garden. Um, mm-hmm. My dad's now kind of getting into it at our house just because you know he was been working with my uncle. But I was he's so knowledgeable about it. Um, I was able to talk to him, and he really gave me. Um, all the information on it. So the big number that we needed to have was how much money you spend on pesticides um, every year so that when I'm pitching, I can say, hey, listen, like if you invest in my product, you can save X amount of dollars on insecticides so you don't have to protect your garden. So right. um, I, I, I did some research on my own in terms of exactly how much they cost, but Thankfully, my uncle is really knowledgeable on it, so he was able to say, "You need this, this, and this. Um, these are the applications. How many times a week? You know, yada yada." And then I kind of put that together, and I think the number we came up with was like around three hundred ish dollars a year. Um, but you know, we did we recently did a survey where that number was a little less. But um, in terms of basic research, my my uncle actually helped me out a lot. But like I said, I did a little bit of my own in terms of, like, the big thing was, like, exactly what stuff costs, like, looking it up and saying, hey, this, you know, neem oil, this costs X amount of dollars. This peppermint oil, this costs X amount of dollars, and just did a little bit of math. Nice. So do you have an actual prototype? I have five now. Nice. Awesome. So Uh the first prototype was, I just got my hands on the mesh. Actually, the first two prototypes. Got my hands on the mesh, and sewed like a really mini one myself like you know, like six inches by like a foot long mm-hmm. just so people could like visualize 
what it looked like and put it on a mini garden bed. And then, like I said, my first prototype was with NYSARC. Um, mm-hmm. And I got a lot of the design flaws worked out with them. Uh, I just didn't work out with them for manufacturing. Their facilities weren't quite large enough. So then I worked with another company um, that I think I had three full-size prototypes with. And it went, you know, they would they would say, or I, I talked to them, I said, this is, this is my design. They go make one. I'd get it back and say, I like this. We didn't like this. And then we got a final sizing, um, was ready to go to production. And then, unfortunately, this company, there was a little bit miscommunication in um, so just certain things. So I'm no longer working with them, but um, I'm in the process of finding another company. But I do have a pretty much, like, 95% final design. That's awesome. Okay. So... With, like, like tomato plants that, like, grow really tall, can you still use it on those? Or does it, like, affect, like, how big they can grow? So this is – so right now um, it's four feet tall. Okay. So most tomato plants, um, which is, like, like the, taller, the taller plants you get in the home garden, they're going to fit in it. Nice. Um, but they'll – usually they'll grow to, like, as high as their environment lets them. So if it starts, like, hitting the top of the mesh, it's really not going to – um, to push it up too much, but mm-hmm. if you know if you did have a plant that gets really high, um, if you like just prune the top of it, it should be able to keep it under. But four feet is gonna allow like ninety nine percent of home gardens to fit under that. That's awesome. Yeah, and and with like with gardening in particular, um, sustainability and home gardens is like one of the biggest things. Like right now, mm-hmm. it's trending, um, and it's a great way to you know just be green and stay sustainable and one of my questions is just like um how does the mesh fit into that sustainability aspect um i mean other than aiding the garden Mm -hmm. so the uh the other big problem that we were trying to solve was even if you bought like organic insecticides they're still made up of chemicals or stuff that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily supposed to be um introduced to the earth uh, when you, especially in the, like the gardening world, something says organic, it just ha- has to have like X amount of like organic materials, like carbon, yada, yada in it. It could still have certain chemicals in it, but if it's under a certain level and stuff like that, then they can still say it's organic. So if you're using this stuff, you're still introducing chemicals, you know, some more harmful than others into the environment. But using this, there is, there's no chemicals and it all, obviously, because you just, you don't, it replaces them. But um, in terms of, like, the plastic, like, uh, degrading or anything, um, we don't have to worry about that. And my uncle's used, and we've had people who we know and are in contact with who've used the actual mesh for a while. And it's roughly, it lasts about three years, but it's, U, it's UV protected. So pretty much the only thing that would be able to, like, break down the mesh or anything and, like, per, like release toxins into the environment is the sun. But um, the mesh that we use has it's UV protected. So that's the only thing you... You don't have to worry about that with the mesh. Awesome. That's awesome. I like that you can reuse it, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Last, like, we don't have uh, exactly, we have, I obviously hasn't been testing them for three years, but mm-hmm. we're anticipating the mesh to last three years and then the elastic and the um, uh, thread that we use to sew it is also, like, it's, it's a, like an outdoor elastic and thread. So nice. we're anticipating that last up to three years, too. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and that's like a huge money saver too, not having uh-huh. to go out and buy the chemicals every year. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Great pitch. You sold me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. When I can actually grow plants and yeah. not kill them, I'll come <laughs> to you for one of these. <laughs> yeah, you sold me. Um, but speaking of pitching, um, you were recently a part of the regional business plan competition, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. So just uh, like how did that go and um, like – how did you decide to enter it? So I was in the cube. Um, I'm actually not in it now. The cube the, is, is like the Shipley's like incubator. So I kind of used up the, you know, like the cube resources that I, I could need. I didn't really need the cube anymore to advance. But when you're in the cube, it's actually a requirement just to compete in the competition, get some exposure, practice pitching. So I decided to compete. And um, so, yeah, I, I went and built my slide deck. And like I said, with my, this, is, this was my second year pitching Garden Guardian in the business plan competition. And then my freshman year, I did the, the other business. So I've had some experience in it. Nice. So I built the slide deck, um, had some help from the Shipley people on building mm-hmm. my slide deck. And the competition went pretty smooth. That's nice. awesome. We heard that you at first place. In my track, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Thank nice. You. Congratulations Thanks. on Thanks. that. So did you get any, like, useful feedback from the regional competition that you're going to bring to the state competition with you? So in terms of uh, pitching, um, I didn't get a ton of feedback, but the, the big feedback that um, I was given was how I addressed uh, protecting it. So... We did a couple months ago. I sat down with um, talk, talked to a lawyer, and I, I was originally going to get a provisional patent on it, and then eventually go and get a real patent. But we kind of determined that I couldn't get a utility patent or design patent just because I didn't own the rights to the mesh, and it was in it was kind of considered too much common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we're going to roll with not with it being not protected and it's kind of um the they i guess the the way i I presented it in the competition the judges were like you know look into protecting it um but as far as i know i can't so i'm just gonna going into the state competition i'm gonna phrase it better and you know like one of one of the examples i commonly use with people is like the the shirt you're wearing or the headphones you're wearing or like a lot of things you use day to day like really actually aren't protecting you could make them on your own if you wanted to but like nobody has the time to do that and the yeah. resources to do it so right. it's, i'm going to kind of bring up those examples and be like hey listen like if you really want to go do this go ahead but it took me three years to get it to this point so yeah. exactly it's just way yeah. easier to buy it that's actually a really great point i like yeah. that thank you um that's awesome so what are like your hopes moving forward with garden guardian so we Originally, I anticipated that I would be in production right now, but like I said, since the other company um, stuff kind of fell through with them, uh, I am pushing back to hopefully by August to have um, be in testing phase. So we have um, like my uncle who is in Maryland that I'm working with, and then I have um, somebody in Texas and somebody in California who are going to test the product so I can have it in a couple different environments. Yeah, that's awesome. Honestly, that's that's really important, testing it in different regions, yeah. different like biomes almost. It's it's very um, 
yeah. very incredible. Because I know I know how it, you know we'll react in like the Northeast and the weather mm-hmm. we have here, but Definitely. like Texas and California is going to be way, way, way drier. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to test with them, and we. I was originally going to have the test period be relatively short, and then if there's no problems, we move on to selling it. Um, but since I, I wanted to try and release like late, like early summer, so that you know that's like when season's ramping up, but that's not going to be able to happen now. But we're still up in the air because if you think about it, like in the north, in the northern parts, you know. August, September, October, and nobody's gardening. But like southern half of the country, they're doing it year round. So um, we're really not sure. But like I said, after we get this one size, four, the the size we're working on now is four by four by four. It's a perfect cube. Um, once we get that rolled out, and hopefully it does well, then I'm going to expand to some larger sizes, and then eventually, hopefully, custom sizing. Awesome. Well, that is great. That's actually. I, my like family does a lot of gardening, and my mom hates using pesticides, <laughs> so I might recommend yeah. this to her. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely really cool because, I mean, there's been a lot of, like, misinformation and, like, a lot of worry about, like, GMOs and, like, I guess having insecticides and things like that, but mm-hmm. it's really awesome. Yeah, like, like I was saying earlier that the the term, uh, like, or, organic or and, and stuff like that, there's a ton of different industries yeah. where... There's just a certain threshold they have to stay under of, of chemicals and use a certain amount of this to say it's, like, organic and healthy. So uh, this is, you know, obviously completely organic because you don't use, have to use any chemicals. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think that's all the questions I had for you. Do you have any more, Alex? Yeah, I think, yeah, we're just about done. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, yeah thank thanks, you. Thanks uh, for having me. And good luck at the state competition. Thank you. Okay, welcome to the podcast. I'm just going to have you guys start by like introducing yourselves and talking a little bit about your company and what it is. Awesome. So I'm Andrew Bennett. I'm a junior engineering and management major um, with minors in biomedical engineering and project management. Um, My name is Nate Parkinson. I'm an innovation entrepreneurship major with a minor in project management. I'm a junior at Clarkson. Nice. Right. Yeah, so tell, go ahead and tell us about your, uh, your business and um, how it came to be. So ANA Smart Safety is a secondary smoke alarm um, that will assist a child in the event of an emergency. Um, so it came to be, I remember my senior year of high school, I had a capstone project, um, and it was something along fire safety. And then I brought it to my freshman year, e and I think it was 120-121 with Michelle Crimmy. And uh, Nate was in my group. Um, along with another student, Abigail. And then from there, we decided to continue it. Um, we pitched it to the Cube, and now we're in the Shipley Center. And uh, we've been going strong since, I think, what was it? December 2019. Awesome. So what have your experiences been like in starting this business? Uh, definitely an interesting roller coaster. A lot of learning. I will definitely say that. Um, like, before the company, I had no idea, like, how to operate, use, program, 3D printers, and all that, but um, definitely a lot of experience with that. And also just learning the plethora of PLAs, materials out there, the manufacturing processes, especially on my end, because that's predominantly what I do for ANA. I design, you know, I source out parts. Um, Andrew typically does the finances, the documents, and all that. 
Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's a lot broader than I expected regarding what there is out there and what's available, and also the resources, as we discovered, especially this year, that are out there that we can utilize, even given to us through Clarkson, through the Cube. Awesome. What made you guys kind of like, like what features, um, like how, what was your process in getting those features and like your thought process of developing those features for the uh, secondary alarm system? So we wanted it to communicate with the smoke detecting and the fire technology already in the current house. We didn't want to have the consumer have to replace a smoke alarm or um, go through and hardwire something into the walls. So we, our biggest thing, our biggest selling point was having it communicate already as a secondary alarm within the house. And then through you know, the use of maybe a uh, familiar voice or um, lights or different stimulants, that's how we can get to the child on the nightstand rather than just a unit that's on the ceiling. Gotcha. Interesting. So, um, so your design features a, a pre-recorded voice, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how will the pre-recorded voice system kind of like work and like how will it, I guess, um, how will you have a voice that is consistent and consistently being like kind of like a comforting but also like assertive because you need that child to kind of like get out of the room if there's in, a, in an event of a fire. So that's actually the unique thing about our product is that it doesn't come with a pre-recorded voice. The parent does it when they get the product. Oh, mm. cool. That way it's a familiar voice to the child because the United States Sleep Institute found it was 90% more effective for a child to wake up to a familiar voice, i.e. a parent's voice. Mm-hmm. In which case, if the child's old enough to comprehend what their parents are saying, on top of this voice being able to wake them up, the parents can also leave them a message. You know, God forbid the fires in between the parents and the child. The parents can leave a pre-recorded message to tell their child how to get out of the house. Oh, that's, that's really that's cool. another advantage to our I like that, well. yeah. Yeah. Very smart. Well, because I'm sure it's like a mixture of like, it like alerts them to what's happening, but it's not so alarming that they're going to like panic because of the like familiar voice. Exactly. It's that's not, really creative. I like that. It's not like an alarm, but it's an effective in getting them up. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so how exactly will you connect your product to the pre-existing fire alarms? So currently how we have it set up is that there's a microphone inside the actual product itself that detects the frequency that current smoke alarms give off and it's registered within that certain tolerance that way it's not accidentally set off by other devices i mean that tolerance has to be pretty fine is do you is there a way that for you guys to kind of tune that like it would be interesting to see um a feature where you have kind of like a sync button um, and you would sync that and then uh, turn your alarm on just to give it a test. And then that would be interesting to just like, because I know a couple different alarms are different sounds. They could have different frequencies. What do you think about that? That's definitely an idea we hadn't really considered. But yeah, that's definitely something that we, I mean, we're still in the beta testing phase. Mm-hmm. We're still pre-launch, so we're still some fine tunes that or fine tweaks that we can hammer out. But that's definitely an idea we can move forward with. So just to switch gears a little bit, why don't you tell us about like your experience at the North Country Regional Business Plan Competition? So although I wish it was in person, because I'm a big, you know, I'll talk with my hands guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sitting in that little Zoom box is, I don't know, it's definitely different and definitely something that everyone's gotten used to over the past year. Um, but I thought it was a great event. Um, I thought Ann did a great job, as always. Um, 
and I thought it ran smoothly. I liked how it was just, you know, the three breakout rooms. You jump in, you pitch, and then you get out and come back together all through that um, one link. I thought it was ran very smoothly. Um, and the judges were – they weren't too scary, which was good. They, <laughs> they didn't lay into us too much, but it was good. They, uh, they provided some constructive criticism, which was definitely considered um, going forward when we were recording our um, pitch for the New York State Business Plan Competition on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So – like, what's some of the feedback that you got that, like, maybe sort of, like, what you and Alex were just talking about, like, you guys hadn't really thought of before? Um, going into more of, uh, like, looking in certifications and licenses and um, insurance policies and stuff, I know a couple of the judges brought up the Underwriters Lab as a couple certifications, so I was looking into um, one of our competitors, Nesper Tech, um, looking at their certifications. They had a couple Underwriters Labs, so then I got in contact with um, Demetrius Boone, and uh, he's a Shipley guy, so he's been helping us out, looking at the certifications and licensing. And um, so that's been another big step that we've been taking. Awesome. So also just congratulations on getting first place. Yeah. That's very <laughs> exciting. Incredible. Thank you, guys. Uh, and so you guys had mentioned that you're going to go to a state competition. Like, is there anything specific that you're going to change with your pitch to, like, kind of strengthen it for the state competition? Having the patent filed would be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we def- we have the provisional patent paperwork all signed now. So that's, nice. that's the one big leap that we made since the uh, competition. Awesome. What was kind of your guys' reactions after winning the business plan competition? How'd that <laughs> I feel? Had, I had to turn my cam off because I jumped up and down. We <laughs> <laughs> like called each other right after. We're like, oh, my God, dude. Yeah, we actually did it. Like, yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and we um, we did have a team member um, who recently dropped off, and you know, it was it was kind of a question of like, are we going to continue this um, just me and Nate, or like, what are we going to do with this? And mm-hmm. I'm happy that we decided to stick it out, and it, it was good. So this was kind of like a rejuvenating push, like yes, this can be a thing, and yes, we can do it. Yeah. So it was it was a big pick me up to win the business plan competition. Awesome. Was this your first year competing? No, this is our second. Oh, your second. How did the first year go? We didn't place. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a huge well, comeback. Well, did it happen? It happened during the pandemic, right? So it was like after. So you guys have done two competitions, both virtually now. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, tell us a little bit about, like, the future of this product, where you hope to see it in the coming semesters. Like, what are your next big plans with it? Um, next big plans is to do beta testing with some close friends and family and get a product out. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic's hard on everyone, so there's, you know, some delay in that with mm-hmm. parts and just, you know, schoolwork and all that. Um, but just the next big step is get beta testing out, see what they have to say. You know, like you said, maybe add suggestions like, you know, syncing it to your smoke alarm system, that way it's more accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, the little nitpick details like packaging, Uh, marketing and all that other fun stuff right so what do you think your like primary audience is going to be for like your like your beta testing and everything um anyone in the clarkson community um that Mm -hmm. has children ages 2 to 13 um so i know ashley sweeney who um, Mm -hmm. we've been working with she um fits the bill with that with her um, younger children Uh, when we look to sell this we're looking kind of to lower to middle upper class homes um, with parents between the ages of, let's say, like 25 and 40, because mm-hmm. they're typically um, in the age range that have younger children. Um, that's who we're gearing it towards. 
Um, so hopefully get the uh, product out to uh, Clarkson professors, other people in the community for the baiting testing. Hopefully get some positive feedback and mm -hmm. then uh, get a website up and running and go from there. Awesome. How much how much data do you think you need to collect? Like how much how many samples or how many people are you um, willing to test this with? As much as we can get, to be honest. As, mm -hmm. ma as many beta products that we can have put out and prototypes that we can have, the better our results will be with yeah. this initial test. I know right now with the money that we won from the business plan competition, we'll be able to make 10 prototypes. Um, so we should be able to get anywhere between, you know, maybe 100 to 500 people surveyed, get a real good chunk wow. of data. It's nice. just how far can we get this out and reached to the people in the community and how many people are going to be willing to take um, something maybe in this COVID time into their house that's been passed along. Mm -hmm. right. um, so it all depends on who we can get in the community. Yeah. Awesome. So you're both juniors, right? Uh -huh. So are you hoping like to stay on for grad school or anything to continue with your company or like, like what's your plan for after you guys graduate next year? Do you guys know? <laughs> Honestly, I like with the current timeline we have, we hope to have launched before we graduate. Nice. That awesome. way when we do graduate, if ANA does take off, like that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, I know the like year down the line plans are really difficult. So. <laughs> yeah. Another question is uh next year, hopefully everything's not so uh pandemic y. But um are you guys looking forward to a possible uh in person business plan competition? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I could definitely see that though, coming in the future. Hearing about the business plan competition, all the people that have done it in person, they say it's like totally different because I have actually gotten the opportunity to talk with some of the people that were in the cube who were older. Mm -hmm. And it's totally different. So I do look forward to that experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've been to a couple of the business plan competitions. Like, I haven't competed per se, but I've like watched them. And it is actually really cool in person. Um, I I went to the state competition to support a friend one year, and like everyone ha was like pulling out their products and like showing it, and, like passing it around the room, which was really cool. So, hopefully, you guys can do that next year. <laughs> it's a good networking event too to meet people from across mm -hmm. oh, yeah. the North Country and some of the judges. Yeah. So I feel like that whole networking aspect might have been lost. Probably, yeah. I can well, see that. I mean, your product's awesome, and really looking forward to seeing where you guys go from here. So, yeah, we appreciate that. Thank, thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. thank you for coming on. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex, and I'm Annalise. We hope you all have a great end of the semester, and we'll see you next time.